great to gather as we do always. Uh, I love um, I love that kind of moment. I get up here a little bit earlier and settle myself and get organised. And um, didn't get to meet many of you on the door this morning as I try to do e- each week. Slightly distracted by a number of other things, which I'll maybe maybe share with you later. We'll see. Um, but I, I just love seeing all your faces. It's great. It's nice to look out, see who's who. If you unfamiliar faces, you're so welcome. If you're here, you're our guest. I find it interesting that as I look out, I kind of my my natural gaze is there, but actually we have a whole area of seating right above us here in the balcony. We've got Andrew and Gina up there. Hi guys. They can afford to have a kiss and a cuddle back there. They're the only ones. It's like being in the back row of the cinema. Sorry to embarrass you. (laughs) Another two people leaving the church. (laughs) You can tell we're coming close to Christmas, can't you? Oh dear. Anyway, uh, 28th of September 1998 was a very, very important day in my life. It was the day that I arrived onto the shores of Northern Ireland. It was my first experience of uh, being here. And uh, Chantelle picked me up uh, with uh, a friend of mine, John, who had come over from England to take part in a, a weekend away with, uh, with Downshire Presbyterian's youth weekend. Just an incredible time. So she picked us up from the airport. And that was a whole other experience as well. I mean, it increased my prayer life significantly, uh, being in the back seat with Chantelle behind the wheel. That's a whole other story. And Brian Moore is nodding his head. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's amazing she's not in jail, to be honest. Um, I kid you not, two days later, we were coming into Eden from Whitehead, and she aquaplaned, and I honestly thought we were going to die. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know Chantel well enough at that point to say, would you ever slow down? Anyway, that's not in the notes. Um, and I'm dead later. <laughs> so as we're coming into Carrick, Fergus, we're coming along that main uh, road there, and if I'm really honest with you, and I still think it's tacky, as you, as you come in, you've got, you've got Kentucky, and you've got McDonald's, and you've got this, that, and the other. I thought, yeah, this, this feels a bit sort of American, you know, you've got all the big glaring signs. Right? And then we come to the roundabout, and there I see, oh, it's the castle. It's all lit up, and I'm thinking, brilliant, that is incredible. And I know, looking at your faces, who've lived here all these years, like, oh, it's a castle. It's like, it's an unbelievable building. And now it's a monument. And it's a place where visitors from all over the world come to visit. But once upon a time, it was a place of residence. It was a place where people would have lived. It's a place where people would have uh, done work. And it was an incredibly strategic point. And people were were very much within the safety of those high walls. Today it's just a monument. But it was built on the rock, and some of you will know your your history way better than me. It was a strategic point, great place, great surrounding with the sea and all the rest. But it was also chosen for another reason. That other reason was to provide something really important to those people on the inside of the walls. I wonder if anyone thinks what it is. Shout it out. Water. 
walls of water. There was a well. There was a spring. There was a, a well there. <laughs> I'm so dead today. <laughs> a natural spring bringing fresh water, of course, which would have given life to the people there. This morning, we, uh, we're penultimate week of our series called Resilient. As we have been journeying this whole season post sort of the worst of the pandemic, as we have journeyed a, a global trauma, as we've begun to sort of unpack and consider the ways in which it's impacted us personally, uh, as a society, our communities, our neighborhoods, and our families. And, and, and yes, we very much want business and life to be normal again, but yet we need to acknowledge the impact that it's had and the way that it's shaped our thinking and us on the inside as we move into this uh, turbulent time of energy crisis and inflation and, and this, that, the other, and doom and doom and doom and gloom, we as the people of God have a resource that is far greater than money. We have a, a, a person that gives us peace instead of anxiety. It's God, it's God, it's God, and it's learning to tap into and draw from the deep well which is within us that gives us the resilience to live through these turbulent times. He is with us. If you have a Bible, uh, we're in Hebrews 10. I'm actually reading this morning from the New Living Translation, just three or four verses, uh, which we're going to use as our main text this morning. The writer uh, of Hebrews uh, is, is writing to the early Christians who were treated incredibly harshly. They were uh, being beaten, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, personal possessions taken from them. And they had been journeying alongside those who were in jail because of their faith in Jesus. Life was incredibly tough. And yet, uh, the writer says, they accepted it with joy. They accepted this great hardship with joy. And the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging them to, uh, to patient endurance. We're going to read this together. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We have said, haven't we, over these last number of weeks, how uh, some have checked out. And uh, we've acknowledged that for many of us, actually, there were moments, and, and, and I shared that with you week one, how there were moments when I just thought, oh, goodness, this is just too hard. This is just too tough. There were fleeting moments of those uh, wistful thoughts of, oh, it would just be so easy just to go and cycle on a Sunday morning or go do something else. Just want life to be good again. And folks have checked out. Some have left and some, I don't mean just even leaving church, walking away. And yet we are encouraging us to be the faithful ones 
the ones that continue to draw upon all that God gives us, that we would persevere. Time and time again, we have seen, haven't we, how wearisome life has been. I was with uh, someone, uh, someone who's new to our church just a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and this gentleman said to me, I, I, I just need to be strong. And I was like, yes, but that strength doesn't come from within you personally. It's what God gives you. He gives you the strength to prevail. He gives you what you need. It's not about us. We hear, don't we, of uh, stories of, of, of soldiers or, or athletes or a whole number of different uh, vocations or, 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 or things where endurance is required to keep going, to keep going, to keep going, and not to give up. And yet this resilience, this patient endurance is different. It's a supernatural thing. It's not something that, you know, we just grit our teeth and keep going, although there is a degree of, of, of faithfulness of getting up out in the morning and getting to this and getting to that and doing this and doing that. But actually, this supernatural resilience is something that's imparted. It's given to us from him. It's not resources that we have on our own, but it's resources that we have that we can draw from the well, which is God who lives inside us. Paul writing to the church in, in Ephesus says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. God's resource to us is infinite. It will never dry up. It will never run out. He's the one who empowers us. He's the one who gives us inner strength in our innermost being. Uh, John's book, who I, I've referred to many times, and I'm going to use a practice that he, uh, that he, he offers to help us to do exactly this. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to have a go at doing some of this stuff this morning. Um, but it's been so helpful to me, uh, especially preparing some of these notes. He talks about three levels of being, three levels of our being that we live from. Uh, and and I've, I felt, I found it to be very, very helpful. He talks about uh, uh, the level of sh the shallow level, the midlands, and then the depths. And the shallows are really the distractions of life, the thoughts that we have, that we flip from one thing to another. And we spend most of our time, most of our occupied time kind of in there. And to share with you, I said I might share with you. This morning, I, I woke fairly late this morning. I've had a good night's rest, a good night's sleep. And uh, my morning has just been filled with just one thought to another. It's like, uh, oh, goodness, uh, is, 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 where's Sergi having his... Uh, worship team meeting tonight because what happens if we don't know what to do with the lights tonight if no one's going to be there and then we get there and get into church and we're like oh but we need to put the banners up I hope the guys are going to be there because I arranged for them if they're not there I need to go and get them I need to get the bungee cords when we get them set up and then oh my goodness oh our kids they're meant to be on uh, in the kids teams this morning Chantel's upset she's annoyed Rightly so, because it was my responsibility to bring them, to tell them they're on there, and they're not there. And I was like, oh my goodness, look at the time. I'm meant to be in the prayer meeting. 
Prayer meeting. Worship team. They're not ready for the prayer meeting. They're never ready for the prayer meeting on time. Oh my goodness. We're in the prayer meeting. I'm trying to muster up and be holy and pray a prayer. All I'm thinking is, I've got to get hope. Look at the time. Oh my goodness, I haven't even read my notes. What am I going to do? I've got 4% on my iPad this morning when I woke up. I'm like, you idiot. She told me I was. I didn't charge it. I had to charge it. It's been down there. And all of this, and that's not it. I could go on. I promise you I could go on. I'm standing there in the worship trying to give it. And all these thoughts are going on. Anyone else relate? Oh, good. I'm not the only one. And we spend so much of our days just flitting from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's the shallows that we live lots of our life. And then there's the midlands. The midlands are kind of the the deeper things, the cares of this life, the deeper worries, the heartaches, the longings, the aspirations, the the things of weightier uh, matters. It could be uh, caring for for an elderly parent. It could be uh, concerned about your children and and, and what's going to happen this week. Or it could be that that job interview that you're going for. It just, just occupies more energy, more emotional capacity. Uh, John writes this, he says, distractions keep you uh, in the shallows for much of your day. They burn mental energy and take your focus on a roller coaster ride. But it's the pressure of the midlands that keep you up at night. I thought that was really helpful. But then deeper still from the midlands is the depths. The depths, and that's our inner being. That's the well that we're uh, talking about this morning. That's who we really are. And in the depths is the essence of who you are. The dwelling place of God is where he resides. Ruled by eternal things like faith, hope, love and joy. And we all have a deep inner life. A well deep inside. A place where if we are a Christian and we have invited God to dwell in us and make his temple in us, then he resides in us. And he invites us and he asks us that we can access him inside of us. That's the well that we draw upon. And so how do we do that? How do we access God in our innermost being? Well, for starters, we need to give him attention. It's just about giving him our attention, those thoughts that are here, there, and everywhere. It's actually deliberately stopping, putting our mobile phones away, or whatever it is that's kind of occupying in the shallows and the midlands, and it's giving him attention, drawing near, drawing close, as we wait upon the Lord. Just quickly, this well-known as the Isaiah quote. Many of us know this, don't we? We can skip through Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We'll not read the rest. We wait on the Lord. We give him our attention and we spend time waiting. Folks, we are terrible at waiting. Doesn't matter what age. Although older folks tend to be better at it. Wait upon the Lord. We give him attention. 
One of the practices, and we're going to do this soon, uh, is this phrase that this fellow John, who's a therapist, any of you uh, have any background in that, it's a phrase called benevolent detachment. It's a bit of a mouthful. It simply means uh, just removing ourselves from everything that's occupying our shallows. And he prays this prayer, and we're going to do this in a bit, which I have found to be like incredibly life-changing and giving for me. In my own prayer time with the Lord, it's a simple prayer, and all it is, as we draw near, as we give him our attention, as we wait upon him, is he prays this prayer, and I've begun to do it. I give you everyone and everything. And he prays it again. I give you everyone and everything. And as I do that, I consciously sometimes have to name people, sometimes have to name certain things, but I do that. And it's almost like, like I'm doing it with my hand. It's almost like I, I, I'm just, just putting everything that consumes our lives to the side. And we create a moment, we create a space where we're able to access God within us, drawing from the well, drawing from his strength, drawing from his resource, and communing with God, almighty God, who comes to us deeply and personally. And we can do that. We can learn to commune and access God in our inmost being, who is the source that gives us infinite strength. Instead of striving, instead of just meandering through our lives and guys Christmas is coming and yes it's wonderful and brilliant and all this but it's a mental time of year as well and we can miss Jesus in the midst of it so easily unless we deliberately stop and pay attention and draw near so I, I'm going to do something with us uh, I, many of you have given uh, given us feedback before when we've done this, even though it's meant to be a teaching and a listening sort of thing, it kind of just makes sense that we would take some time now. Uh, it'll be three minutes, maybe five, um, together where we are, where you are, and um, practicing this. And uh, it's modeling something, but it's also a tool or tools that you can uh, uh, take away and enjoy and practice and lean into. Uh, like many practices, they're all brilliant if we practice them. Um, so just encourage you, quieten yourself, put your phone away. Detach yourself from even the people beside you. And I'm going to lead us. Jesus, we long for your presence. Help us commune with you where you live inside of me. Jesus, we give everyone
in this moment, Holy Spirit, help us to draw from the well deep inside us. Help us to access you within us. You yourself access you in our innermost being. Commune with him now. Be the cause to be. That's any time that's a short period. We're learning to access Him, draw from God who's in us. But God also comes to us. And uh, we in the vineyard, we're, we're very used to that. We're very used to the Holy Spirit coming to us, as well as within us. He also comes to us by the Holy Spirit. We could put up that Ephesians verse again, Hannah, that'd be great. Paul prays this, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I, I've uh, loved leading our life group on Monday nights. Um, 
And one of the things that I've loved that we've gotten to do as well as talk and share our lives together is, is pray for one another. And we've been learning to do that. Uh, and, and for some of the folks who've been part of our group, I hope it's okay to say this, uh, it, it's a relatively new thing, a new practice of, of receiving the Holy Spirit and being empowered by the Spirit. But also it's been a new thing praying for other people that they would be filled with the Spirit. And like, I've just loved it. It's just been like, I just said a few things and like I sit on the sofa and they're all standing, they're all praying for each other and I'm just watching, just going, this is amazing. This is what it's about. This is the family of God praying for strength that, that they'd be empowered. It's just been absolutely wonderful. One of several things that COVID took from us was the ability to pray for one another. And yes, we had some really great encounters of praying for people over Zoom. But let's be honest, it's just not the same. And we have loved it coming back. We have loved those opportunities where we pray for one another, that we stand with each other and we, we lay hands and we encourage. And it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. It can be at home. It can be in the street. It can be a life group. It can be with one another at home or whatever it might be, but I would deeply, deeply, deeply encourage you, especially men, is to put yourselves in a place where you can be empowered by the Spirit. Men, we think we're tough, or maybe we don't, maybe we think we're weak, or maybe we're just embarrassed about putting ourselves in front of each other. And responding and coming to the front or whatever it might be. Or even asking for help. I say this lovingly. Get over yourself. And respond and be courageous by responding. Show if you're married and you come with your wife. Show her that you mean business. This is not in the notes. I'm really off piste. But I think it's the Lord. And it comes with authority. From him, not me. Guys, we've got to place ourselves in a way where God can empower us because we can't do it on our own. We are weak. We are open to temptation. We are going to make mistakes. We're going to make a rick of things. We are just going to struggle and strive and do it in our own strength. But God comes to us through his spirit to give us strength in our innermost being. And our role is saying, yes, I'm an open vessel. Come and fill me. Zechariah says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We need to give him access and we need to invite him. I wonder, could you show that picture, the painting? It's a bit dark there, but that's okay. Uh, many of you will know this painting. It was uh, painted, come into land. William Holman Hunt in the 19th century painted this. He, these were his words. I painted the picture with what I thought unworthy though I was to be divine command and not simply a good subject. The door in the painting has no handle and can therefore be opened only from the inside, representing the obstinately shut mind. This is our Lord Jesus knocking on the door 
that has no handle on the outside, therefore cannot be accessed by him on the outside, but can only be accessed from the inside. And can you go to the verse in Revelation? Many of us will know it. And it's based upon this verse that he uh, painted that painting. He stands at the door and he knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He wants to access all areas. He wants to come in. He wants to empower us and strengthen us. Will we let him?